Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims, and with me as always is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm good. A little tired, as we so often are here at the top of the show. Uh, How are you doing? Energetic, in top form. (laughs) Ready to go. Keyed up. You got your your key. Yeah. The the yayo. Wink, wink. <laughs> That's right, folks. War Rocket Ajax is in its drug era, finally. Yeah, we're finally there. Uh, it took 656 episodes, but we got there. <laughs> A mere 656 episodes for us to just start doing rails at the top of the show. <laughs> we you, didn't do that. You, you've told us, hey, we don't need to hear that you're tired every week. Well, this is the alternative. That's true. That's true. Hey, DEA, I know you're listening. We're kidding. That's These a joke. Jokes. That's a joke. We have not done any rails. These what are we, good, fun jokes. <laughs> what we have done is read Alex DeCampi and Erica Henderson's new book, Parasocial. And we're going to talk to them about it in our interview segment. And we are very excited about it. We don't need any of that white powder to enjoy that particular book and be excited to talk about it. You have never said a sentence that it sounded like you believe less than that, (laughs) because I know is 100% true. (laughs) Chris, before we talk to Alex and Erica, we do have some business to take care of here at the top of the show. Our first order of business is uh, thanking folks over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. These are all the people who've gone down to 656 Gimmick Street. You know what's there. Last time, it was a spirit Halloween. Yeah. This time, it should be a store that sells candy. Just one of those stores. Those are called candy stores, yeah. Weirdly enough, it is the specific candy shop that the song Candy Shop by 50 Cent was written about. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, he, he, here's why I say one of those stores that just sells candy. Because there's places that like quote, are quote-unquote candy shops that sell a bunch of other bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh hang on. Sounds like we're getting one of the patented <laughs> Matt Wilson rants. <laughs> Start the clock. No, like, look, I like Rocket Fizz because I like craft sodas uh-huh. as well as candy. But that's not a candy uh-huh. shop. That's a so soda and candy shop. So you're 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 saying that like it has to be like an it's sugar or a lolly and pops. Exactly. Exactly. If do you have if you have one thing in that store that's not candy, get the fuck out. Yeah, even if you're selling fudge. Like fudge you made. That's iffy. Okay, You're, hang that's, on. I think I think fudge is candy. 
That's a fudge shop. Matt, fudge belongs at a candy shop. It's candy. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm drawing the line Chocolate too hard here. is candy, fudge is candy, Matt. If they sell a Snickers, they can sell fudge. I guess. I guess I'll allow it. Matt Wilson, out here, out here laying down the law for the candy shops of the world. Anyway, um, it's the candy shop from the 50 Cent it's Song. It's the candy, candy shop, shop from the 50 Cent Song candy shop. Uh, and when you go there... Folks, you hit up the Spirit Halloween, you get some de- decorations, you hit up the candy shop, uh, which is called uh, Candy Shop, parentheses, by 50 Cent off the critically acclaimed album, The Massacre, close parentheses. <laughs> Curtis Jackson's Candy. Candy Shop, parentheses, by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, off of the critically acclaimed 2005 album, sophomore album, The Massacre. Sugar on the Sand. Sugar on the Sand. Colon, the remix. <laughs> while, you're, while you're trying to read that entire sign, why don't you get out your phone? You can go to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in as little as a dollar a month, which, joking aside, we do not spend on cocaine. Uh, we mostly spend it to uh, pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills. That's right. Uh, Chris, I am sad to report, I have no new names to read this week. But we do have, as we have had for the last little while, roughly 400 patrons over on our Patreon. That's so close. Are you are you going to sit there, listener? Assuming that you're not uh, a Patreon backer. Patreon backer, skip ahead. Everyone else, that that bit about the candy shop was not worth a dollar. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's all I'm yeah. saying to you. Agreed. Agreed. But seriously, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show if you can. Uh, if you can't, that's also fine. Thank you for listening regardless. Get us back up to that funny weed number. We would like to get up to the funny weed number. That would make me happy if that happened. We're not talking about cocaine anymore. We're going to stop making jokes about cocaine when we get back to that funny weed number, and then we'll just make jokes about God's green. The... The only illicit drug that is legal in many places that matters. So, Including uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's right. So help us get back to that funny weed number. 420 paid members on the Patreon. Patreon has changed things a little bit so that there are paid members and and like there's like a free tier as well. But we don't really put anything on the free tier. Um, you can like listen to previews of episodes and stuff, but as a paid member of our Patreon, you get every single episode of every show that we do. This show weekly, comics catch up, every story ever, movie fighters and snack situation, all of that stuff for paid members on the, of the Patreon is completely ad-free. You get a totally ad-free feed just for you, and you help support all of those shows and uh, make sure that they keep going. Um, on a regular basis at other levels you can get other cool stuff you can get bonus content that includes bonus audio that we record stuff i cut out of episodes that uh, maybe run too long outtakes that kind of thing writing that chris has done i mean a lot of video game reviews but other he's done some other writing that's patreon exclusive as well and i've done a couple of things over on the patreon all of that stuff you can get at that tier there's line stepping stepping privileges for every story ever and currently Thursday night raw 
And uh, there's other physical rewards, too, uh, that you can get on the Patreon. Uh, so if any of that sounds like your cup of tea, uh, head over there and join. Help us get to that funny weed number. You can also help us out in other ways. If you can't help us out monetarily, you can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Uh, whatever it is that you use to listen to podcasts, leave us five stars there if you can. Or uh, just spread the word about the show, talk about it on social media, let your friends know that you like it, go on, I don't know, Reddit, a Discord server, wherever it is you talk to folks, uh, talk up the show. Let them know that you like this one. Maybe if they ask what's a comics and pop culture podcast that you like, uh, you'll have this one. Does anyone know any good podcasts with extended bits that no one actually likes? I I dispute this. I dispute this. People love Gimmick Street, and they always will. And they love my classic rants about what constitutes a candy store. With that, Chris, speaking of treats, it's time for some tricks and treats. Chris, how's tricks? Here's the the joke about the joke about the cocaine. (laughs) Okay. I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because uh, after uh, a couple weeks of getting everything scheduled and uh, going through some stuff, uh, she's fine, but uh, my wonderful dog, Biscuit, did have surgery today uh, to remove a mass that was on her leg. Uh, she did great through the surgery. Uh, the the vet said she was very brave. I said that is a lie. Uh, as our guest Erica Henderson pointed out, there's no reason for her to not be brave. She didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but yes, she had some surgery. So I spent today being anxious about that. And then after I went to get her, she is heavily drugged and has no idea what's going on. Poor poor puppy. She is now home. She is uh, on some heavy painkillers. Uh, she's doing great. But... That has been what has been occupying my mind for the bare men's the day. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's what's up with me this week. Also, buddy, let me tell you what what uh, what costs a, a bit of money that I would pay every time. Don't get it twisted. Uh, and that is surgery for a dog. <laughs> yeah, my man. I just took my cat to the vet like three times for some shots for feline arthritis. That's right. Harrison is old enough to have arthritis. Remember when I had him as a kitten on this podcast? Yeah, bud. He's old enough to have arthritis now. And uh, just that, just three shots, was not cheap. Yeah. I I refer to Biscuit very lovingly as my little money sink. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so if I I do sound a bit exhausted, that is why. But uh, Biscuit is doing just fine. Uh, She is uh, officially entitled to anything she wants. Uh, we have been joking, haha, that she is going to get an entire bacon, egg, and cheese tomorrow. That may or may not be a joke. I will update you in the future. 
That's what's going on with me. Matt, how's tricks with you? Well, Chris, while we're talking about money sinks, let me just give a quick update on the tooth situation. So I paid... The hottest new segment in uh, Men in Their 40s Complaining on a Podcast. That's right. If if you don't remember, uh, I had to get a root canal a couple weeks ago, and it is mostly better. Uh, the The tooth is a little weak, but like the pain is largely gone. But as it turns out, it's not over. I have to now go get a crown on my tooth, and that costs basically just as much as the fucking root canal did. So it's it's hitting me twice. Patreon.com slash WarRocketHX. Your boys are going through it. Your boys are going through it. Here in here in October. But I do have some good news that I want to share. Uh back in the late summer, I guess it would have been late August, early September, somewhere around there. Uh Marlene and I both auditioned for some improvised plays that are gonna be uh here in Asheville. Um one is coming up. It is an improvised horror movie, essentially. And that's the one Marlene got cast for. And uh, that is going to be uh, the last weekend of October. And I know not, not a ton of people listening to this are local. But if you happen to be around, uh, Marlene is going to be uh, in an improvised horror play that is I, I'm very sure it's going to be an absolute blast. So that's going to be coming up really soon. And then I'm in essentially an improvised Christmas play uh, that's going to be coming up in December that I'll be doing rehearsals and stuff for. So That sounds delightful. That's It's going to be very fun, uh, and uh, and I'm excited for it. So that's that's what's going on with me. All right, Chris, what's your treat? Matt, I'll be honest with you. I have not been engaging in a lot of new media recently. Understandable. You know, I'm not I'm not watching uh, a lot of movies. I don't generally watch a lot of TV outside of pro wrestling. I only see televised commercials, televised advertisements when I watch pro wrestling, which let me tell you, weird experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, usually there's a wrestling match in a smaller box. Right Usually there's a wrestling match, or more recently, a silent film starring the greatest wrestler of our generation, Tony Storm. Timeless Tony Storm. Timeless Tony Storm, who is incredible. Have you seen this week's Dynamite? I have watched this week's Dynamite, yes. Did you see when she took a full bite out of an unpeeled banana? Yes. <laughs> Tony Storm is out there. Saving this business, folks. For real. For real. Despite the fact that she is truly a treat, uh, I am not recommending Timeless Tony Storm to you today. Uh, What I have been playing is a game that I played for a little bit a while back and kind of bounced off of because it turned out to be... uh, It is listed as being unsupported on Steam Deck, so I kind of forgot I had it. But as you know, I am going through the... Toriyama-sans of my life right now. Correct, yes. 
And so I have been playing Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, uh, which is essentially a game where you make your OC, and then you get to hang out with everybody in Dragon Ball. And that is, if that sounds like, wow, that sounds like a game that's mostly just about fucking around, correct. And that is what I am here for. It is one of the great fuck-around games of our time. Uh, you can actually play it on Steam Deck, you just can't play it online, which is fine. I don't like other people. I know all the people I like. Uh, and I don't and I don't want to play video games with them, except for Matt Wilson, when he is in town. Uh, that's the only time. Yeah, we've discussed playing games online, but we haven't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we're both secretly getting really good at Guilty Gear. I don't have it yet. I I put it on my wish list, like the version of it that has all the characters. I actually and did play a little bit online, and it was fun. Yeah, I, I I bet it would have been. I'm waiting for the version with all the characters to go on sale. Yeah, that's so, a good deal. When it is, I I will get it. Yeah, I bought all the characters for this game on sale because, in addition to making your OC, uh, you can go on little uh, missions that uh, you play on one side or another in the history of uh, Dragon Ball. The plot of the game is that you are a, a time patroller who is tasked with stopping people from changing the canon history of Dragon Ball, which is pretty fun. Uh, and it made me wish that it was possible to do that with like the DC Universe. Or or the Marvel Universe. More possible with the Marvel Universe, because there's more stuff that, like, definitely happened. <laughs> less, yeah. less possible with, with uh, Detective Comics comics. Uh, but in presentation, and in the sort of hub city with, you know, missions that you go on... Uh, I was talking to Ted Anderson about this the other day, and he was like, oh, it, it sounds like it's a, like a Lego game. And yes, in terms of those things, that's exactly how it plays. It plays like a game where, you know, you you fight a bunch of dudes and throw fireballs and uh, and everything. A fun thing is that all of the characters wind up kind of hanging out in Canton City, which is so bare, like it's barely a pun. It it barely gets there. <laughs> it's not even continuity. It's continuity. That's oh, I love it. I love it when they almost get there and just give up. Everybody hangs out, and so you can go learn everybody's uh, signature moves. So, like, you can go if you're like, man, I I wish the destructive disc. Uh huh. I wish I knew that one. You can go talk to Krillin or Android 18 or I don't know, Broly or, or, or fused Zamasu or any of those guys. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of like goofing around a lot of missions, a lot of rewards and like getting, you know, like, Oh, I guess I'll wear Piccolo's pants today. Uh, it's, it's a lot of that stuff. And that's kind of exactly what I need to smooth my brain back out. After the stress of my days. <laughs> Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. Playable on Steam Deck, but only... You don't get to do any of the online stuff. Uh, Matt, what is your... What, what have you been treating yourself to? Alright, Chris, it's spooky season. Mm -hmm. Halloween 
is fast approaching. I'm I'm going to break our rule a little bit because yes, the strike continues. Yes, we continue to support the strike. Do not get it twisted. We absolutely 1000% support the strike. This is an episode of a streaming TV show from last year. So it's not a new thing. We're not members of SAG, so it's we're we're not required to like not talk about movie and TV projects. But let me preface this by saying we one thousand percent support uh the SAG after strike that is ongoing. And I'm going to recommend an episode of a streaming TV show, but I, I want to make it very clear that we do. Um, last year, Netflix had a series called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. And we didn't get to watch it. Marlene and I didn't get to watch it as it was coming out because we had a vacation planned to Europe during Halloween when those episodes were coming out. So we've been catching up on them recently. We've been catching up on the eight episodes of that show recently. And I don't think any episodes of that show are especially bad. I do think there are two standouts for me. One is called The Outside, which is based on an Emily Carroll webcomic. That's really good. That's uh, directed by uh, the director of A Girl... Walks Home Alone at Night. Anna Lily Armipour is her name. But the episode I'm recommending that I think is the absolute standout, which was also the standout on Benito's list of streaming horror stuff this year, is the episode that was directed by Panos Cosmatos, the director of Mandy. It's called The Viewing. And it is bonkers. And so worth watching. And so good. The cast in that episode is Buck Wild, because um, it's Eric Andre, Peter Weller. <laughs> right, dude, you don't have to name any more names for this to be a wild cast. <laughs> yeah, it's Eric Andre, Peter Weller, Steve Agee, uh, Sophia Butella, Charlene Yee, and uh, Michael Terrio, who... Chucky fans will recognize. It is an absolutely buckwild episode. It is so visually arresting throughout. And the end, the last shot will make your jaw drop. Um, so if you're looking for something spooky to watch, you don't have time to watch a full feature film. You only got about an hour. Absolutely watch the viewing, the episode of Guillermo del Toro's cabinet of curiosities. Chris, those are our tricks and treats, which means it's time to talk about some of the comics that came out this week. Let's do it. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever actually writing something down physically helps me a lot it helps me organize my thoughts it helps me get my work done and 
ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which I, is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. There is no Texture's Choice winner this week. Uh, we were busy. I think we were probably reading the comics for the week, like right up until recording time. <laughs> yes. But I think if there was a Texas Choice winner for me, it would have been Superman number seven, which is also Superman number 850. Legacy number 850. That's right. DC has legacy numbers now. Legacy numbers, triangle numbers, all the numbers. Give them all to me. I, well, wanna, I want those covers to be nothing but numbers. Chris, it's interesting you bring up triangle numbers. Hell yeah. Because you know, you know who draws a good chunk of this issue of Superman? Is it John Bogdanov? No, is Jergy. Dan Jergy, that would have been my second guess. But is to be Dan honest, I would have been more excited about John Bogdanov. I mean, sure. But Dan Jergy's is back drawing Superman. So, so this is like a extra-sized milestone issue of Superman. 
and it's divided into three parts. There's the Superman part. It's all written by Joshua Williamson. He's he's writing all of it. But there's the Superman part that is drawn by uh, Gleb Melnikov, who uh, does a great job here, but is really doing his best Ed McGinnis in some places in here. And I mean that in the most complimentary way I can. Then Dan Jurgens draws the Lex Luthor portion. And uh, that part's pretty good. Then uh, there's a Brainiac part of the issue that is, uh, I think, Norm Rapmund. Or Norm Rapmund might be inking the Dan Jurgens part. Because the Brainiac part is the last part. So that part might be just drawn by uh, Edwin Gallman. Um, but it all looks really good. You know how last issue they let that guy that Lex Luthor had imprisoned, they let him go? Superman let him go? Yeah. Well, that maybe wasn't the best decision Clark ever made. And so the Superman family is all trying to stop this guy. And, I mean, look, uh, look that's I, I, we said this about the last issue. That's the thing I love about this book, though, is that what else was he supposed to do? Like, yeah. it's absolutely the decision he would make. And I think the challenge of of writing Superman is you have to make the decision that he would make interesting. And I think Williamson has done that really well. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of Superman doing the right thing, even if it's a mistake. Yeah. Like he's always going to do the right thing, and there's a there's a part in this in that section where like some buildings collapse. the The imprisoned guy collapses some buildings. the The members of the Superman family that are there, like Supergirl and Superboy, and I think Kenan Kong is there. They have a conversation about like, good thing we got everybody out of those buildings. And I had like an instant galaxy brain reaction to that, where it was like, you know, normal brain, that's cheesy. And, and then like to galaxy brain, where it's like, no, actually, that's great, because this is a superhero comic where you can do that. Yes. And you don't have to be like, oh, no, a bunch of people died because they couldn't get them out. No, fuck that. They're superheroes. Absolutely correct, man. Yeah, I got to the point where I was like, "No, that's great." And uh, and then by the end of the issue, Brainiac has some Zarnians working for him. Hang on, Brainiac's hanging out with some Zarnians. Has he got Zarnians? When we know who the last Zarnian is, maybe he wasn't the last Zarnian. Hmm, interesting, intriguing. They got erased from Zarnia's history books, Chris. Oh. This book's good. This Superman run is good. Yeah, man. I I love it when I love it when the books are good. Do you want to see Lex Luthor's mom? Cause she's in here. I mean, Matt, obviously I want to see Lex Luthor's mom. There's a whole Luther family that comes back in this issue. And it's good shit. I feel like this Superman run has been 
a total hoot. I also wanted to talk a little bit about Sensational She-Hulk number one, which is also a hoot. This is a new number one, but it's still Rainbow Rowell writing. Um, So it's a continuation of the previous She-Hulk series. Uh, The art is now by Andres Ginolet, uh, and uh, it's good. We are still kind of digging into the whole She-Hulk-Jack of Hearts relationship. And their relationship is a metaphor, but that metaphor is also literalized. (laughs) Where they literally can bring the best and worst out of each other. Mm -hmm. And there's an inherent massive risks to them being together, and they both know it, and they're still going through with the relationship anyway. And that is such a great setup. (laughs) I love it. Uh, There's a bit in here where Jen Walters is taking on the clients of a couple of deviants who were so deviant that they were rejected by the deviants. It's uh, Carcass and Ransack the Reject. Okay. They were they were living with the Eternals for a while, but then they left there to go just live in an apartment, and they're now being evicted. <laughs> and uh, and so Jen's gonna gonna uh, represent them, and that's like comedic gold. And then also remember how in the first issue, Chris, uh, She Hulk and Titania were like, "Hey, why don't we meet up and like have a fight club?" <laughs> uh huh. Well, they meet up for their fight club. (laughs) And also Ben Grimm is there. And also Absorbing Man is there. Uh, He's he's Titania's husband, so... Yeah, it's a hoot. It's an absolute hoot. If I have one minor complaint about this book, it's that Ben Grimm doesn't quite talk like Ben Grimm. He talks a little too normal. But... Other than that, excellent, excellent stuff all around. Um, There's also a backup in here uh, by Jessica Gao, the uh, showrunner of the She-Hulk TV show, and with with art by Gavin Guidry, a guy I know. Yeah. Uh, And it's a very fun time as well. So um, the She-Hulk book book is... uh, it's a fun time. Chris, the last book that uh, you wanted to talk about a little bit is World's Finest Number 20. I did want to talk about this, Matt, because this this book faked me out. Okay. Uh, because if you go look at the cover to World's Finest Number 20, it is, it is it's like, hey, everybody, return to Kingdom Come. And it's got Kingdom Come Superman and Kingdom Come Batman and Kingdom Come Green Lantern and Kingdom Come Flash and and Wonder Woman who just looks like normal Wonder Woman because she doesn't age. She's made of clay. You know, Matt. I'm I'm a Mark Wade guy through and through. Since since nine since ninety-seven for me. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know is not down since day one for for Mark Wade, but I but it's as close as I could get. Pretty close. Yeah. You also know Kingdom Come, not my favorite uh, Mark Wade work. Ne- neither of ours, yeah, yeah, or Mark Wade. I, you know, we've you know we've talked about 
uh, that with him before. And so I was a little like, ah, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to, like, is, is he just, is he doing more like Kingdom Come stuff? Like, is that what's going to be happening? Like, I've really enjoyed this book. I thought it was a hoot, like, but I hope this isn't like, I hope this isn't his version of, of what was the, what was the, the, the book with Flashpoint Batman? Grump House. Grump House? Grump House. It was called Grump House, right? <laughs> it was a real grumpy ass book. I think that's what it was called. You know, I, where Flashpoint Batman was like, this sucks. Yeah, I hate the world I live in, and I want it to go away. Yeah, dog, I hate it too. It was Flashpoint Beyond. It was called Flashpoint Beyond. Sure, it wasn't called Grump House. It, colon Grump House. The remix. Yeah. Yeah, so then I read this book, and Barry Allen talks about how he likes to have fun by mapping out the multiverse. And then uh, he ran into to Kingdom Come, Barry Allen, and he was like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> and then he went and told Batman about it. Because uh, he saw uh, the uh, the kid, David, the kid from the other universe, from the first arc of this book, but in Kingdom Come. And Superman's like, well, dang, I told him that we'd, we'd find him and come get him, like, I, and I don't lie, so let's go. So they go to the Kingdom Come world, and then they kind of just, like, walk around, and they're like, man, this place is a little weird. Hey, I, you know, I read all those books over there at Super Speed. They don't know anything about the multiverse in this one. <laughs> Which was very funny. <laughs> uh and then you, they finally get to David, and he's grown up and fully just dressed like Maverick now. Marvel Comics Maverick, not uh, James Garner in Western clothes. Because <laughs> that was the bit with Kingdom Come, is that it's like, literally stated in, I believe, our old friend, Wizard Magazine, that Kingdom Come was about the DC Universe heroes fighting a bunch of dudes like Cable. So, it kind of got me with this one. It kind of got me with, with, oh no, this is going to be weird. This is going to be weird and fun and, and goofy Superman, Batman team up action. And Superman was like, man, a bunch of people died here. <laughs> what the, what the heck? What the heck, Kingdom Come Superman? <laughs> and Batman's like, yeah. hang on, it might not be his fault. And Superman's like, no, it sounds to me like he sucks. <laughs> you know what would make... Every one of these kind of like dark superhero universes fun. If the real Superman and Batman showed up at them and been, and were just like, "What the heck?" Oh yeah, that that was my pitch for uh, fixing uh, Man of Steel. Was just have him, go, have him show up and be like, Ooh, "Glad this isn't the real Superman." <laughs> like. Have have the real Superman and Batman show up in the Injustice world and just be like, what the heck happened? Jeepers creepers, this place sucks. Yeah. Ooh. What a weird world. Glad we don't live here. Glad the real you and me aren't here. People need to be reminded that these stories are fake sometimes. That's all I'm saying. That's right, yeah. 
All right, Chris, that's going to do it for our comics review segment, uh, which means it's time for us to talk to our good friends, Alex DeCampi and Erica Henderson, about Parasocial. Let's do it. Joining us for the program this week, we are very pleased to welcome back uh, two of our favorites. Uh, you will know them from a variety of projects, but together, they created my favorite visual depiction of the character Dracula, which we have talked about before in uh, The Incredible Dracula Motherfucker, a great graphic novel. They are back to talk to us about the new book, Parasocial. Alex DeCampi and Erica Henderson, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello. Alex, I told you off mic that I was very, I, I had a, a fun story for you. And then I had to clarify that I was not being ironic. <laughs> but I've been waiting a couple weeks to tell you this. Uh, there is a, uh, a romance bookstore that is going to open up in Minneapolis. And so prior to their opening, they've been doing uh, pop-ups. And my wife, AC, uh, went to one and she came home and she was like, yeah, the woman at this store was giving me like the kind of hard sale that you only get from someone who read a book and absolutely loved it. And she was like, Oh, there's this, you know, there's this book you've got to read. It's, it's great. The world building's incredible. Like I couldn't put it down. Uh, and AC was like, cool. Well, what's it called? And she was like, Oh, it's called the Scottish boy. And he was like, I know her. <laughs> uh, that book is done. That book's getting an Italian translation. It's had a second printing. They're like special bookstore editions that have been printed for, for particular romance bookstores. Like it just keeps going. And all I can think is my agent, <laughs> is my agent couldn't fucking sell it at the time. And it sold like incredibly well. I need to write more prose. I just don't have time. I'm, I'm halfway through a hard sci-fi novel and I just like, it's all been, I stupidly made a well, stupidly, but also joyously made a foray into monthly comics again, which does not suit me at all as a as a person. Even though I've I've lo- the book is Scrapper with Cliff Lazinski and Ryan Kelly and and Jordy Blair, and I, I I love the book. I love I love my co creators. I do not love having to make a comic and then making another comic a month later. Like fuck that. Like who thought that was a good idea? Like making a comic is really hard. Like you finish a comic and then you're like, Oh wait, you have to make another comic again in like less than th- like, no. <laughs> so um, once, once it finishes, we'll hopefully, which will hopefully be this weekend that I will finish. I will letter all of issue six and also prep the trade. Like I will actually be able to write again rather than just being a lettering and production person, and that will be truly joyous because I have I have lettered over. Let's see, uh, uh, Parasocial is one hundred and twenty eight pages. Bad Karma is three hundred and twelve pages. Uh, the the Scrapper trades solicited at one sixty. Uh, let's do some fast math here. That's like that's like seven hundred odd pages of comics of all creator owned stuff this year alone. And that's like, I mean, Hassan or like a real letter could letter that really fast, but I am an artisanal letter. I do it incredibly slowly. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's a, it's like things, everything keeps happening and I want it to stop. And I just want to go into my cave and write things. Uh, and 
hopefully that will happen soon. If, if AC read the book, I hope she enjoys it. I I feel like you could market that, uh, like handcrafted, fresh-baked, artisanal lettering. Uh, I sort of do. I mean, that's sort of the point of what Erica and I do, is, is we yeah. we do this, like, we have this weird thing where it's just the two of us, and we keep passing the book back and forth in terms of, like, I send her the script, it's a very detailed script, and then I tell her to ignore it, and she sends me pages, and then I let her on the pages, and then I send it back to her, and then she sends me, like, more finished pages, and goes, actually, I'm going to do this, this, the sound effects on these particular pages myself because yours are nice, but I have other ideas. <laughs> and then, like, I tweak the letters and, you know, it just this is just kind of like – and we kind of do it around other things because, you know, we don't have advances for this book or something like that. So a lot, a lot of my work and why graphic novels work for me is that I'm, I'm – I'm I'm like literally doing outsider art because there's so few places that will let you keep all of your rights as a as a creator that like I have to do it as graphic novels and I have to so my artistic collaborators um some of whom can just do it around other gigs like Erica some of whom I have to pay out of pocket like can just do it and, which are, and and not like good rates like less than right so like really bad rates um <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? Maybe you should do that. Less than eight rates. Um, <laughs> you know, they. I have to be able to. I have to give them the whole script, so like then they can just like dip into it and dip out of it when other people are late or when they have time, and so it's not like a, a pressure on them. Who? It's it's a it's like I'm getting stuff out there, and I get a lot of stuff out there, but but yeah, sometimes I sit back like now when I'm kind of like skating the edge of burnout and being like wow wouldn't it be amazing if like someone actually wanted my shit like <laughs> and had fair deals like i mean like eric wants my shit and like i will i will forever be thankful that image and dark horse are both willing to publish me uh because uh otherwise it'd be kickstarter and that would be even more work um but like it's weird um it's a weird space to be in i love what i do i'm really happy that i get to do it but wow, it's 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 a it's a whole lot of effort. I I think anyone who's done anything creative <laughs> has been there uh, with the why does yeah, sorry that turned into a whole rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. You you brought up the the sort of like passing back and forth that happens when the two of you collaborate, and yeah. looking through Parasocial there is such a kind of marriage of art and design and lettering that you don't really see very much in comics, you know, comics that do come out monthly or, or even some other graphic novels where the, I guess the kind of division of labor is a little more regimented. Yeah. I, I, I'm really curious as to like, how that ends up all coming together. Like there's a, there's a part in here. I, I'm, I'm going to try to not give away too much of the story, but. We may want to like get to a point and just be like, we're going to do spoilers after this point. Cause there's a lot of the book that's hard to talk about unless you talk about what happens at the end. Yeah, that, for sure. Uh, but there's a, there's a part where the, the kind of asshole actor who is, 
I guess you could call him the protagonist of the book is, uh, is, you know, confronted with a fan who thinks that he should know her name and he doesn't remember it. And then she finally tells him her name. And it's this It's just this amazing panel where it's like her mouth open, her name inside the mouth, not in a word balloon, just the text and I feel like that is that's a marriage of art and lettering that has got to be like really worked out before anybody starts working. I don't. Oh, that think was that actually one was that was okay. in the script. Yeah, I mean, like some of the stuff we do is just like straight on vibes. Like the what the fuck <laughs> panel was that would the the three panels that go what the fuck um like where where the letters are kind of in the background and also not in the word balloon that was vibes that was like erica sent me the art and it was supposed to be in a balloon and then i was like no i can do i can do it another way and then so in the final art she shifted the final the third care the third headshot like over to the left a little bit so i could get fuck in there uh without running across the, the border but the 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 words in the mouth Oh, yes. Uh, I feel like I remember there was a conversation. Maybe it, was, maybe it happens more than once, but I feel like there was a time where you DM'd me back when uh, we were all still on Twitter and it hadn't <laughs> exploded yet. Uh, you were like, "Oh, what if I put this in his mouth? Would that be weird? Would that be Would that be weird? I'm going to do it." I feel like we have those conversations a lot. We're just like, "Should I? Uh, I'm going to do it." Yeah, I mean. The thing about when Erica and I work together, both of us are kind of like, well, we're just going to do whatever we fucking feel like, and it's going to be weird, and people might not like it, but that's kind of the point of what we're doing, is trying things, is trying to push our work in the medium in as far as we can, and some of it will fail, and that's fine, and the book is an environment where some of it can fail, and that's fine, and so Erica, like pushes things really far in whatever direction she feels like experimenting in. And then I do weird lettering, but also Erica has the ability to be like, no, that's too weird. And a couple of times she's been like, that's, you don't need to do that. And I pulled it back, but that's what collaboration is. It's your friend. Well, there of- are times too, where you'll put lettering. And I'm like, no, no, no I got to go in there. I'm like, I'll trace the letters. So it's the same font, but it's just slightly grungier. Yeah, <laughs> like perfect. It's, yeah, exactly. it's a little more dirt. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of like the artisanal lettering is that the lettering integrates with the art and it's not squatting on top like an uninvited guest, which a lot of comic book lettering does. And not that's not against the craft of lettering. Uh, I am not a professional letterer, but like if you're lettering 10 books, 20 books a month to make your rent, like there's not much, you don't have time to artisanally letter. I I am able to do that because I'm essentially – doing this kind of weird kind of gentleman farmer aspect of comics where I do very few books a year and spend a lot of time on them. I think gentleman farmer should be the next book that you two do. Cause I feel like that could go in a lot of uh, The next places. book is either going to be called intruder or the poisoner's apprentice, depending on which I get my shit together with on first money's on the intruder. Uh, that's, yeah, I feel like you've got more, there's more there for that one right now. Yeah, which is a riff on a Claire Denise film, which is like possibly me descending into, and it's also about werewolves, so it's, it's possibly me descending into self-parody. But uh, there you go. Well, speaking of riffing, and I don't know, I, the, if this is an, a comparison, you don't 
like or you dismiss it or, or whatever. I'll tell you. Don't worry. But go ahead. Please, and please do. Um, <laughs> but but I, I do feel like that people are going to read this book and immediately say, this is a... This is misery updated, in, in, the, yeah. in social media age. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Updated take on misery. Is, but also, like, Dracula motherfucker was Dracula. You know, like... Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. of course. What we do is we... is is And what I love doing with Erica is we take something that's really well known, like Dracula, like the story of misery, update it into something really interesting, like the 70s or, you know, the social media age, um, and then actually make it about something else. Because well, Dracula isn't about vampires, really. It's about cycles of abuse and women and powerful men. And right. It's not just like Hamlet 2000, where it's just like, oh, it's in a city now. Yeah, exactly. Um, or and and parasocial is 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 very much about um, social media and fandom and the attention economy and things like that. But it's also really, really about something else. Well, I th- that's what I was going to kind of get at is like, even though there's there's definitely some give and take in misery, and and Paul Sheldon. The author is not an altogether good character. I feel like there is a clear division that, like, oh, Paul Schultz is white is is like white people spicy. Like he's like oh, like he's a yeah. little bit kind of like curmudgeonly yeah, yeah. and really wishes he was doing something else. But like that's the thing about every one of the books about a creative, whether it be a, a writer or an author, or an author or or an actor, which tend to be where these things t- are about. They they. they they paint the fan as someone terrible and then the creative is just like, you know, just this manfully trying to do their job and like creating is hard, man. But, you know, I've I've watched actors who I know personally be attention vampires, essentially. And it's like you're not a good per- like you are encouraging this. You are you are complicit in your own haunting. Like I was talking at the New York Comic Con and ho- the horror panel, and like one of the great rules of gothic horror is you must be complicit in your own haunting. Like nobody is no no one innocent is haunted, right? And so Luke is complicit in all of this and encourages it both for attention and for for financial reasons, and that is broadly true. Yeah, there's a there's a there are great things about fandom. Like I, I think you know, like we can't we can't. I'm, 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 this is not an anti fan book in any way. I I literally have friends who've been saved from suicide by fandom communities. Fandom is wonderful and transformative. There's about two percent of it that's batshit crazy though. <laughs> right, and and there's an exchange in Parasocial that I thought kind of summed that up. Summed up the notion that like. You don't have so much of that clear delineation between this is the abuser or the the perpetrator of harm, and this is the victim. It's it's there's a an almost symbiotic sense to it, yeah, where exactly. they're feeding on each other, right? Or or they're they're making each other have these bad impulses, and it, it's the part where Luke essentially says like this is the way this works. Like I pretend to be this way and you are happy. And then we go back to our, our regular lives. Yeah. And it's just supposed to be like that. And, you know, Lily doesn't accept that. And that's a perfectly understandable response (laughs) to being like, to being told this isn't actually real. 
don't think it is. You but know? also, the, the book is, is is greatly about the fictionalization of real life in real time. It's about the way we fictionalize ourselves on social media to other people and present our lives as much better or much happier than they are. Not, 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 and not just social media convention appearances like, you know, we, we are creating a mask of ourselves that is, that is better and more impressive than, than we, we actually, the, the sort of raw little monkeys we are behind the mask. But it's also about the, our fictionalization of other people, which brings into uh, effect like real RPF fan fiction and, you know, Tumblr communities around actors that they're the precious cinnamon roll and they're terribly misunderstood and they're actually queer and in love with the other male actor in the in the series and, you know, like none of this is true. Like you know, the 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 the, the, the Taylor Swift stuff where like everyone's like dissecting every little thing she does to see if she was really like the song is the re- maroon is really about Carly Kloss or not and like they're fighting and 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 maybe they've made up and. You know, like there's just this wonderful, like this, this, this people are creating fictions every day around other people and around themselves. And the book is about that. And also about seeking immortality, uh, the quest for immortality via the creative arts, obviously. Yeah. Which we get into later, which is, you know, when you're a mid career creative in your 40s, like, and you're realizing that maybe your best work is behind you, maybe you will not get more work. And that is terrifying. I mean, there was a lot of like my thinking around the exorcist in this book. And I'm a really big fan of Friedkin's exorcist because it is a different film every 10 to 15 years, depending on where you are in your life. What is the most horrifying thing? And in this, in parasocial, pretty much, you know, both the characters are facing their greatest horror and Luke's greatest horror isn't actually Lily. It's his own relative. Yeah, yeah, like L- Lily's what he like craves, even yeah. if not in that exact way. Yeah. Uh, one really cool thing about the book is that you both get essays in the back to kind of talk about elements of the book. Um, and Erica, yours is a lot about different elements, the the colors and how they change throughout, and then also just kind of like how the look of Luke changes throughout. And, like, com- compared to Dracula Motherfucker, which had these kind of, like, very abstract presentations of a horrific thing on the page, uh, outside of one particularly amazing moment near the end of Parasocial, it does feel like your kind of way of showing the horror in this one is is more subtle in terms of lighting and and how tight the pencils are or how rough they may be um well and it's it's all it has to like mostly be acting and camera work at this point because like yeah. you know you've just got two people in a room and it's generally one of two rooms so there's there's not a lot that you I would just like to say that to. Erica agreed to draw a book where I was like I'm sorry but like one third of the way in, the rest of the book is in two rooms. One of the Erica's greatnesses is that she, it obviously feels claustrophobic. Like the book is supposed to feel claustrophobic in this tiny, these two tiny rooms in the middle of fucking nowhere in East Texas. But also you don't like, you don't feel like you're hemmed in by 
those rooms creatively? Like you don't feel like it's like the same, like you're not bored by the view. Like you are not never conscious that like there's nothing else to look at. And I think one of the things I, I, I love fucking with comics basically. Um, and so much of comics is like just bullshit, empty, like, like high concept stuff without any actual like characterization or thought to it that I wanted to go on with parasocial. I wanted to explore how deeply I could go in terms of a character book with a limited number, like very, very, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, like very deep into two characters in a limited space and still keep it very edge on the seat. Yeah. And I, I think like the interesting thing about working on that is like, how do you, how do we focus on these people and, capture like the nuance in their faces of what's going on moment to moment because they they are uh hardcore feeling things at all points <laughs> there's a moment with some scissors that like just it's we left it completely it was supposed to be it was written completely wordless and sometimes i write wordless things and i'm like man I, I actually need to put some dialogue somewhere in these three pages like it's all paneled out but it's all wordless um and i looked at that and i was like i there no words are needed. Like just the, the change, the shadow of the scissors across his face and him realizing what's happening is just like, it's perfect. Like it's just, there's nothing more that needs to be done. Well, well it's also like, there's a certain amount of planning too, that comes like, you know, once, once you read it, uh, you know, like there's at a certain point, we're going to be in these two rooms and then yeah. like it's sort of planned. Like, okay, we start in this room it's where we're beginning, it's fully lit. And then the other room, because we move into that room uh, less purposefully, it can be dark and weird. And like, that was something that like, because we had, we, we had those two rooms, that second room could be the weird one <laughs> because, you know, yeah. turn the lights off. We're in another space now. And that was sort of the altar room anyway. Like we, I mean, we choreographed this, like I choreographed this in script and then Erica, Erica choreographed it more. Like we, we knew we had to keep people moving and we knew we had to keep the balance of power shifting so that like, it was kind of this, so much of comics is basically card tricks, um, you know, close up magic, you know, don't look at the hand that's behind the back. You are looking at the hand that's making the fancy motion. Um, and then the hand that's behind the back is actually doing the thing and then surprise. Uh, and so that's, that's a lot of what we did to keep things moving and keep things surprising and interesting, despite the, the limited amount of, despite the fact that no one had superpowers and they're in two rooms in a shotgun shack in East Texas. I'll tell you the two parts, the two moments that visually kind of ended up being the most jarring to me. And I feel like people who haven't read the book might be surprised by this. Because, Erica, in your essay, you talk a lot about how you're establishing different moods and tones and feelings by playing around with color a lot. And there are parts of this book where, you know, you'll go to a page where it's just totally awash with kind of one color tone or, or one look. And, and it'll be so far removed from the kind of like quote unquote normal comics coloring that we're all used to. The two parts of this, the, the two like shifts in here that really got me both times were when it went from 
that sort of like color wash coloring boom back to the colors are there again oh yeah snapping back to reality yeah exactly yeah. there's there's one where it goes from a moment that it's basically manga a romance manga <laughs> yeah and and then there's a boom smash back to reality and then there's another one that kind of goes in the reverse where it's like very like intense horror stuff they're in the weird dark room the scissors are out and then luke goes back into the other room and he asks kind of a mundane question and we're boom back to reality and i thought both of those moments were just so effective well i mean if you've ever been in a in an extremely dodgy situation thing that you'll remember is they're just like really mundane, dumb moments and they're really absurd moments. Uh, yeah. And then they're just like, like like violence is something that happens like, you know, like bam. And then it stops. And then there's and then something dumb happens. And you're like, this like, like life is just, you know, weird, violent situations just like that. And maybe yeah, some and it, there's, that. there's that like tunnel vision around it. Right. Like, in in extreme moments, you're not seeing everything. It's it's not like an episode of I don't know, like Hannibal or CSI, where it's like, oh, okay, uh, adrenaline's up, serial killer time. I see all the little things. It's like, no, you're only seeing the thing in front of you because your brain's like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to distract. Like, and when you do something normal, like you're, you know, Luke is very in that moment. She's he's very much like trying to lead her and distract her. So he's. You know, he's being very normal, and like, if, like in that kind of like, if we're all just, if we all just pretend to be normal, maybe we can be normal, and we can forget that this is all happening. Again, the magic trick. <laughs> uh, Alex, a lot of your essay in the back is about the, uh, the sort of the playlist, the 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 musical tracks that you have peppered throughout the book. Yeah. And I, I invite listeners to, one, get the book, and two, read the essay to sort of get the, the significance of the various songs. But I want to talk about how the song titles are presented in the book itself. Because sometimes they're in the margins, sometimes they're like integrated into the art, and on a couple of occasions, they're presented as like subtitles. Like subtitles... You would close see, captioning. yeah, yeah, closed captioning, and I don't think I've ever seen that before. And maybe I was overthinking it, but I was really trying to kind of suss out the significance of there being subtitles or closed captioning on these page pages. Well, there's only two. There's only two closed captionings to open yeah. the book and close the book. Essentially, sometimes you just do things on the page and it just felt right to have those be like to have this opening scene with these, all, all these crowds at a comic book convention and, you know, have that avalanche's song as like a closed captioning, like as if you're, as if you're watching something like on the TV, which isn't the main story because it isn't the main story. And you got the, and you got the, the captions on and it says like, you know, frontier psychiatrist by the avalanche's place and then at the very end you have the very end song which i'm not going to spoil because it's, it's kind of perfect um uh, to 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 kind of like signify that because because 
well, it's, I always joke that this book has more endings than Johnny Toe's election, which is an incredibly niche, like, Canto crime comment, but, like, everyone should also watch Johnny Toe's election, because it fucking rules, and Election 2 is also very good. But Election has, like, five endings. Um, and Parasocial has a main ending where you have the second closed caption song that kind of signifies that it it ends because the first ending on Luke admitting his greatest fear, basically. And then there's a cut to black and the title song comes up, the kind of the credit song comes up. And then the, there are a couple of twists that happen after that, that I won't spoil, but that they're, they, they're kind of more meta. So they're almost like outside of and after the story. So they don't have a closed caption song. If you know what I mean. Um, the yep. other song, a lot of the songs are written as marginalia. I love marginalia, like big fan of old Jamie Hewitt stuff, or he was just writing shit in the margins. Like, why not? Like keep it punk rock. Um, there's one where someone's listening to music and it's a mountain goat song. And I know John Darnell won't come after me for like quoting some of his lyrics. Because we could. Friend of the show, John Darnell. Also, like, that particular Mountain Goat song, you know, played by somebody in their mid-40s in the car on repeat is, like, just an an incredible vibe. (laughs) Like, I just... Sometimes you feel like you're kind of no-scoping people, and I'm like, yeah, this is... (laughs) I feel feel a little called out at the moment. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's the right feeling when you're, when you're, when you're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is actually just completely sniping most of my friends. It's going in there. (laughs) I, I, I guess as a reader, my sense of the captions and then around the middle of the book, another kind of, it's almost a, it is a joke. That uh, really quickly changes the tone for a second. It's a callback to uh, a bit earlier from the convention uh, to to someone that Luke meets, and I laughed aloud when I saw uh, that little title at the bottom of the page. But it makes me wonder because this book so much is so much about the way people engage with media and the people who make it and how those people engage back. And they're having to be this boundary that's unstated. And when it is stated, it feels kind of gross. And by having that stuff appear on the page, it makes me as a reader aware of engaging with this media and and you know raises questions in my head of like my complicity in this sort of culture and and i i wonder if that's what you were going for if or if i'm just a no yes good you are you are getting it correctly um, <laughs> there's a reason there's a reason we put so much media in the book and we we put in and and the songs part of it were just because I like putting songs in things and I often think about songs when I'm writing things. Like I'm I'm walking along and thinking what song would soundtrack this scene and then when I think of it I just like well why don't I just put it in the book if it's a really good song. Um, but also it you know it it continually makes you think of it, it makes you conscious of the way that you also are doing that and how 
you know, you're fictionalizing the fiction as you're reading it. Like, so it's, it, it, it is, it's very deliberate to make you consider your role in, in all of this. I mean, that was like the, 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 the film, the, the, um, the handmaiden, which was really about the viewer's complicity in all of this. Um, and everybody kind of misinterpreted it in different ways. Um, and I, I found it, you know, more of a film that was about the viewer than was about what was on screen in a way. Yeah. I hope that gives all of our listeners something to chew on uh, as we move into some questions from them. Uh, we've, we've got some questions from our listeners. If you listeners would like to ask questions on the show, uh, the ways to do that now, don't go to that bad, bad website that they changed the name of and threw away all their brand visibility for some reason. Uh, don't oh, they, go there. They might be getting it off of Europe entirely, so uh, who knows what they're doing. The wonders never cease over there. <laughs> uh, go to these places. Go to Blue Sky. Uh, we're on there as warrocketajax.bsky.social. Or join our Discord, uh, which you have to be invited to be a member of. But if you ask us for an invitation nicely, uh, we'll give you an invitation to our Discord. And uh, those are the places where we'll put out the call for questions for our guests at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday nights, usually. And uh, that's then you can ask a question for our guests, just like these, for Erica Henderson and Alex DeCampi. Eric and Alex, our first uh, question comes from Crawling in My Skin from our Discord, who wants to know, what's your favorite Dracula story? Uh, Dracula specifically? Dracula specifically. Yeah, because that that narrows it a bit. And a lot of the Dracula stories are Dracula. (laughs) Right. I'm probably going to say Helsing, because that was one of the things that inspired the look in Dracula, motherfucker. I should reread Helsing. The anime like whips. I mean, it's it, it's just really fun. Like you got to like it's it's you know, is it is it you know is it actual like is it cinema the way like the the, the original let the right one in is probably not, but it's fun. Like we're allowed to have fun. We're allowed to like things that are fun. <laughs> okay, I okay, am the last down. person that you need to tell yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite non non Dracula vampire story is is the original Let the Right One In. But but my favorite Dracula Dracula adjacent story is is uh, has got to be um, Helsing. I'm gonna go for one that is not good but holds a special place in my heart because uh, when David and I were first dating, for some reason we didn't plan this. We somehow just wound up watching a lot of the like modern reinterpretations of like classic uh horror monster movies and one of the ones we watched was Dracula 3000 which involves a uh, coolio on a spaceship <laughs> <laughs> what more could you ask for uh yeah yeah they they pass through the carpathian galaxy <laughs> and pick up dracula <laughs> And it's terrible, oh, yeah. but I love it. Incredible. Uh, and I, I for non-Dracula vampires, I'll go with Near Dark. Yeah, I sort of also have to mention Count Yorga Vampire, which is which is not really a which may or may not be a Dracula story, depending on what your viewpoint is. But it also informed some of uh, Dracula Motherfucker. 
So our good friend L Collins, Hello. another L on Blue Sky, wants to know if y'all have considered a follow up to Dracula Motherfucker featuring another classic monster, and if so, what would you call it? And oh, L has some su- <laughs> L has some suggestions. Oh, yes, okay. Well, L's suggestions were the Mummy, goddammit, or Wolfman, you fucking asshole. Uh, but I Intruder. Mean, Intruder is kind of Wolfman, you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, unless, like, the basic premise changes a lot, that's exactly what it is. No, he's still an asshole. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying, it would have to change entirely. <laughs> no, like, yeah, the, the, the premise is the same. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, like... Figuring out the family interactions and, and yeah, what happens. Yeah, the, the nuances of the assholery. <laughs> That's right. You got to get them just right. It's werewolves and intergenerational trauma because I I have I, I I write about a thing and that's it <laughs> an identity of course. Kate Bushup, ah, real name from our Discord wants to know in a Bill and Ted's bogus journey style deal. Death gives you a chance to win your soul back under the condition you absolutely nail a karaoke song. What do you pick? And this is for all of us. Oh, that's not fucking happening. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm in hell. That's fine. Um, yeah. Not karaoke fans, huh? I, I mean, I'm just like bad at singing. Same here. Like, like really exceptionally bad at it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Like, karaoke is all about the fun. It doesn't matter if you hit the notes. Like, no, I'm I'm like super bad, and it makes me feel anxious to be up there because i know i'm singing so badly so like i'm happy to go to karaoke and cheer other people on but like i no no is is there Uh, no song you would just have fun trying to sing i mean lust for life because okay Iggy didn't hit the like like Iggy doesn't exactly hit notes so (laughs) that's true (laughs) (laughs) Uh, erica did you have one just having fun uh and you know, my soul wasn't on the line. Kiss from a rose. Ooh. Ooh there are a bunch okay. of Jonathan Richmond songs we could also do. I mean, like, New England is a personal fave. And again, Jonathan Richmond, not like, you know, ro- like Roadrunner. You, like, you, you have to find the white boys who don't sing. They just talk loudly over the music. And I think we can yeah. do that. The problem is that we just have to find <laughs> the ones that don't talk too fast. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're not yeah. doing a Rex Harrison. Chris, do you, what's your answer to this? Toxic Britney Spears. I crush oh, that's it. That's a good one. That's I did that one, one on the cruise that I went on. There's <laughs> fan art of me singing Toxic. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Impressive. Also, now we... I'm, I'm not a good singer, but it's, 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 all about, it's all about that mastery of the crowd. Yeah, not worrying about the, the devil or... Um, a comedic reinterpretation of the seventh seal. Um, (laughs) We, I, you know, I can, there are songs that I think that I would enjoy doing and have fun with and be ridiculous, but yeah, like it, I, (laughs) we're we're not like nailing anything. (laughs) Uh, My choice. I, I've recently discovered that um, if you want to sing a song at karaoke, that's going to give, get everyone in that room hyped. Uh, pick a misfit song, and especially uh, where Eagles Dare, uh, where everybody in that room gets to sing along with you. I ain't no goddamn son of a bitch. So that that's mine. That's mine. 
I will tell you two something, Alex Campion, Eric Henderson, and you as well, dear listener. Matt Wilson is like a karaoke hustler. <laughs> like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going with Matt. We're going to have some fun. No, like, th- there's an act that's about to happen. <laughs> that you, uh, if that you will want... humiliate you for following. No, no, no. Him. If you want a good time, go to karaoke with Ming Doyle and Neil Cesariga performing Rasputin by Boney M. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. If you need if you need to get a room full of like middle-aged white people absolutely jumping around like Sweet Child of Mine or weirdly <laughs> Hank Williams Jr.'s Family Tradition, we'll both get them all like completely out of their mind. <laughs> Here's a question from uh, the Recluse Jeekins on Blue Sky, how do I break someone's parasocial relationship with me? I mean, there is this wonderful story of Robert Pattinson, which may or may not be apocryphal. Uh, he may be fictionalizing himself, where there was a girl staying outside of his his hotel room, like, all the time while he was in L.A., and he finally went up to her and said, right, let's go to dinner. And he spent the entire dinner whinging about how hard his life was and how much, like, his, his like, you know, his current movie sucks and how, how he hates it and she just was so like so disenchanted she just left him alone <laughs> so um i mean it's very hard to break someone's fictional idea of you uh, like there, there are two things here if, if like if the relationship is actually gone to like straight up stalking um that's not safe yeah that's a different scenario <laughs> That's a different scenario. So we're assuming it's it's just like she's like kind of your own personal reply guy and in the DMs a lot. You know, as with any potentially toxic relationship, one of the, one of the, one of the greatest things you learn in your life when you kind of hit like cruise past 40 is that like setting setting boundaries is amazing and it's so much fun um and it's not something any of us do enough. Like just setting basic boundaries like, you know, I don't accept, you know, I can't accept DMs from you anymore or, um, you know, like, like I feel uncomfortable when you talk to talk about me like that. So I would like you to stop. And if you don't stop, you know, like, and then, you know, like if you, and if she doesn't stop, like if she doesn't respect your boundaries, then, then, then you cut off attention. The thing is, uh, one of the things you learn in dog training and operant conditioning is a type of dog training that has a lot, a lot of bearing on the rest of the world, is that attention is reward, and any attention is reward, and you see this with trolls a lot. And so anytime you give someone attention, they interpret it as reward, even if it is negative attention. So um, that has that that's two things, which means like, you know, setting boundaries and then cutting off attention when if the boundaries are breached is very is very, very important and you have to stand by those boundaries. Two, there is something that's called an extinction burst, which is like if you're a little dog and every time you bark, I pick you up and pet you, you're gonna bark more, right? Because like you bark and I'm like, Oh poor baby, it's all right, it's all right, don't let the big man scare you. And you're like, Man, this is awesome. If I bark, I get cuddles. So you bark. And then I go to a trainer and go, But my dog barks all the time. What 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 am I like, how can I make that stop? And the trainer goes, Stop petting them, and you're like, uh, I guess so. And you stop petting them, and the dog sees someone coming. Sees, sees, sees like the, the UPS guy coming up. It's like I'm going to bark because I want cuddles. Um, and the dog barks, and like you, he doesn't get cuddles. And then he, so 
what would you do if you were the dog? You'd be like, she hasn't noticed. I'll bark more. That's called an extinction burst. It's when it's when a, a, a negative behavior stops getting rewarded. It then, it doesn't stop immediately. It increases before it dies, before it goes Yeah, because there's a level of like, uh, this has always worked before. Surely you just- I'll just do it more me. now because they're just yeah. not, they haven't noticed yet. So you have to be prepared for the extinction burst. It's hard to know without knowing the details of the situation. So yeah, boundaries, potentially talking, if you have friends in common, potentially talking to them and saying, look, this isn't cool. Can you speak to her and let, you know, let her know this is not good. And then, you know, ultimately just cutting off all contact if you have to. I mean, if you have to block them or mute them, like their issues are not your problem. So, and, and sometimes this gets into, you know, some negative mental health issues on their part where they're like, oh, well, if you stop getting in touch with me, like I'll hurt myself or it'll make me really depressed or I'll do something. That is actually not your problem. They're a whole grown ass adult. And if they are using that sort of like abuse at you, you know, that's a choice someone's making. That's like, that's, that's, that's a deliberate choice of theirs. And you can say, if that's the way you feel, you should seek help from your friends. I am not a friend of yours. Stop contacting me. Like, you know, and, and they are using that as a threat. That's the, that's the kind of like reverse of the love bombing that happens with abusive relationships. Like they love bomb you. And then you spend all your time trying to get the love bombing back once they stop it. And then once you extract yourself from that toxic relationship, they start saying, Oh, well, I'm going to do something terrible to myself. It's like, well, you know, at, it, like at any particular point, this could have been not about you. This could have been a 50, 50 relationship, but it's always been 90 me and 10 you. So like, you know, like if now you're, if, if only now <laughs> you're threatening the dramatics when, 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 and, and, and again, you know, not offering any reciprocal nature to the relationship, it's a terrible relationship and whatever happens to them is on them as a grown ass adult who has other friends and a support network in theory. And if they don't, it's their problem. You can't live other people's life for them. You know, you have to look after yourself first. Like, you know, even on airplanes, it says fix your own oxygen mask before fixing others. Like, sort yourself out. Let them be how they're going to be. Excellent advice. Yes, very good advice. And we're going we're gonna to switch gears for the last question. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, take one from Mar Ghost, not Kitty Pride, on our Discord. Underrated Halloween candies? Look, are we are we team candy corn or, or, or not team candy corn? Uh we had a discussion where recently where like I'm I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it's it's not as bad as people say. Yeah. Um I go back and forth on it. Like I, I either don't think about it at all or I need it. It just like it depends on the year. Yeah, I think once every couple of years I get a bag of it and I make a pig out of myself and then I'm like, ooh, I need to not... Or the little pumpkins, which are yeah. like this candy corn, but in a different shape. I prefer the pumpkins because yeah. they're pumpkin-shaped. Um, underrated Yeah, candy. no, I'm the same way. What's Yeah, what's underrated Halloween candy? I'll, t- I'll tell you one that I uh, will, will stick up for, and that is uh, either, either fun size or, or large, doesn't matter, uh, the Milky Way bar. I feel like Snickers takes all the air out of the room all the time because it's got the peanuts. But sometimes, sometimes I want a Milky Way. Look, can I just can I just say Heath Bar? Like I'm a Heath Bar person. Um, okay, Heath Bar for life. Yeah, 
Um, I, I'm going to go completely in the other way and say those uh, those weird wrapped strawberry candies that only grandmas know how to buy. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. Uh, it's got like, the little liquid stuff in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Always a nice surprise. Also worthers. Like old people know what's up. That's true. <laughs> this they had a lifetime guard. Yeah, there's a reason they buy them. <laughs> they tried all the candies, and they're like, these are good. Yeah, they, they've had long lives to yeah. filter out the bad <laughs> stuff, and now they just eat the good stuff. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it uh, for our interview. Uh, Alex and Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always so fun to talk to both of you. Um, before we let you go, please let our listeners know uh, where they can get Parasocial and how they can follow you. Well, Parasocial is, is available anywhere books are sold. It's a gorgeous hardback, uh, 1899 for 128 pages, which is cheaper than a Marvel four-issue trade paperback and much, much nicer. Um, you can also get it for $15 all month by a mail order at Escape Pod Comics, where it's their book of their month. You can also obviously get it on digital at Comixology. Um, digital, I know, is or at your library um, on uh, Hoopla or Libby. Um, and we support buying in whatever, via whatever means, buying or borrowing whatever means make you, makes you happiest. Um, that's it, right? Yeah, but also where do people find you? Oh, where, oh shit! Um, like <laughs> in a cave, basically, just trying to find <laughs> uh, uh, Instagram, Tumblr, and Blue Sky, and the bad place as at Alex DeCampi. It's nice to have a baroque name because I'm like Connor McLeod. There's only one. <laughs> I didn't get a broadsword though. I kind of want a broadsword. If you look, if there's one thing that we will tell you here on the War Rocket Age X program, Alex, if you want a sword, get a sword. Yeah, I mean, it's still red fair season. Exactly. Well, I mean, we've got LARP swords because my daughter wanted swords at one point. Oh, she she was she kept hitting <laughs> me with a wooden sword, and I'm going to get. I'm like, this is the what? This is the reason that LARP swords exist. Um, Correct. So my daughter could hit me with a foam sword instead. And so we have two pretty awesome foam swords up in our house in Maine, and we would we would go like hit each other with those. Um, I always, I knew I have the right entertainment lawyer when like I got on a Zoom with him during during the pandemic, and uh, on the back of his office wall was hanging a 16th century German two-handed sword. And I was like, oh, it's a 16th century German two-handed sword. And, like, you're a, and he's like, you're a goddamn nerd. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> All right, Eric? my turn. Yes, it's your uh, turn. It's me, Erica. You can find me at uh, Blue Sky, Tumblr, Instagram, uh, not really Twitter. Uh, uh, never, ignore that one. Uh, Patreon, as at Erica Fails. And you can also find me and Matt. I assume you like Matt if you're listening to this. Uh, Not everybody. At, uh, okay, well, the, those of you that like Matt and also me, you can go hear us at uh, Friends Till the End, where we talk about Chucky, the TV show, and also movies when the show is not on. And Erica has a really awesome Threadless store as well, where she sells amazing oh, yeah. t-shirt designs and stickers and stuff. I forgot about the Threadless store. Yeah, I have a Threadless store. Yeah. All great places to go to find Alex Campy and Eric Henderson. Thank you both for coming back on the show. And uh, absolutely, everyone should go get Parasocial. And literally, 
every other thing you two have done. <laughs> ah. Thank you. Thanks once again to Alex Campy and Eric Anderson, who were asked uh, what their favorite Dracula story was. And uh, I just sat here and went, wow, wow, okay, wow. The joke being that I have I wrote a Dracula comic that hasn't come out in the past decade. They were I'm thinking it. I'm not really. I'm sure they were thinking it. They were like, "Oh, that's probably." We don't want to. We don't want to sound like we're we're just you know putting Chris over. We have a book about parasocial relationships. We don't want to make it weird. They're both like like people we actually know, though. That is true. We <laughs> yeah. do a podcast with Erica. <laughs> No, it's fine. I guess just you guys are friends. That's fine. That's fine. I guess my relationship with Eric is parasocial. That's fine. That's fine. If, I'm just if, kidding. They were great guests. I guarantee you, if you ask them what their favorite stories about a robot detective was, they would think about it for a while before saying something else. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now that we're sad, let's end the show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been a fun one. We'll be back. Uh, Matt, do we have, is, is next week our Halloween spectacular? Let me, let me check the date. Yes, it will be our Halloween spectacular. Well, then you know what that means. It's time for our annual visit from, uh, our mutual, uh, co-host on different podcasts, Benito Sereno. That'll be uh, a fun time next week to talk about, uh, Spookums and Haints. That's right. So come back for that. If you yeah. would like to get in touch with us, send us an Every Story Ever list. Send us a listener question. Let us know if you want to sponsor the show or hit us up for any other reason. You can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Blue Sky, as I mentioned earlier, at warrocketajax.bsky.social. You can also join our Discord and chat with other fans as well as us if you tag us in a post. That is by invitation, but if you ask us for an invitation to our Discord server, we will get you one uh, if you ask nicely. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done, so go check that out if you want to find episodes from a while ago. But don't go back all the way to the beginning. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this podcast, War Rocket Ajax. You can go find a ton of cool info there. If you want to find me and my stuff, then go to MattDWilson.net. It is... Uh, the place where you can find links to my books, my podcasts, my comics, and my social medias. They are all there. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to the things that I do. See you next week, everybody, for a spooky good time. Yeah, we hope you're having a, a, a relaxing month uh, and doing the right amount of cocaine for you. Which I'm going to say is probably zero cocaine. Matt, back, back me up on this. Or are you? did you just fully bail out of the bit? Okay, that's also fine. I No, I agree with you. 
do what's right for you. Personally, zero is a good number. I would say consult your physician. Because <laughs> this is not medical advice. But true. definitely consult a physician and do the amount of cocaine that they tell you to do. And if they tell you any number that's not zero? I mean, a hundred years ago, they might have told you a non-zero number. Yeah, I, th- that's right. A hundred years ago. So if they say that to you now, perhaps get another doctor. This is, a, this is actually a good test to see if you should be getting another doctor. Uh, and, so, and if your doctor is from a hundred years ago, if your doctor's name is like Hezekiah Cocaine, <laughs> the inventor of cocaine, I've never even seen cocaine in my <laughs> life. I don't know why this is the bit this week. If if your if your uh, doctor is named John Stith Pemberton, the inventor of Coca Cola. You know you've made a mistake. Yeah. If you're in Atlanta, Georgia, 100 years ago. 100, like, 140 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Don't get out of there. It's not a good time. Did you know that he invented Coca-Cola and died two years later? Well, what else was there to do, Matt? That's right. He did all he he needed to do on this here earth. Yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> he He completed... He finished. He 100%ed. No, no, no new game plus for him. Folks, have a great week. Don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops aren't your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!